Hi, my name is Harris. I'm one of your podcast hosts. I'm also a lawyer at Treadstone Law. For most Canadians buying, selling, or refinancing real estate, a lawyer is the last thing on their mind. That's unfortunate because lawyers play a vital role in the process. But what choices do Canadians have? Lawyers can be very expensive. Well, Treadstone Law offers resources to Canadians so they have access to the information they need. Whether you sign up for a live workshop or a mailing list, we cover topics to help you make informed decisions and avoid costly mistakes. It's advice you can start using today, and best of all, it's free. Visit treadstonelaw.ca forward slash MAS offer or click the link below to get access right now. If you're looking to retain Treadstone Law, it's never been easier. Our entire process is online. From completing the retainer agreement to your signing appointment, everything is done from the comfort of your own home. We're your digital lawyers. The best part of it is that you don't pay anything when you're retaining our firm. Visit treadstonelaw.ca forward slash MAS offer or click on the link below to retain us right now. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Hustle and Grit. Today on our podcast, we've got Lee Graham. Lee has spent 17 years in the industry and 15 years spent with the mortgage professionals. He began his lending career after being drafted from the ranks of TD Canada Trust. Mentored under the founders and previous owners of the mortgage professionals, Lee opened a successful branch office in 2006. When he's not working hard to find you the best deal, he is an avid squash player and enjoying spending time with his four charming children and loving wife. How are you doing, Lee? Excellent, man. How are you? Good, good, good. You know what? Like I went through uh, your profile a little bit, and uh, safe to say you've spent your entire career in mortgages. It wasn't something that uh, you kind of jumped into. What kind of uh, led you to um, kind of go into the mortgage industry? <clears throat> yeah, great question. Um, it was a very um, – it, it, wasn't the kind of thing that, you know, I spent sort of, you know, my school years looking forward to, um, I, to be quite honest with you, until I, until I worked for the bank, I didn't realize it was actually even a career mm. to be had. Um, but no, I, uh, my, uh, my, the, the real answer, the honest answer is, uh, my wife and I, um, got, uh, got, got pregnant when we were in university. We had a kid at a very young age and, uh, I had to get something going. I, I, I quit school. We were in university and uh, she stayed in, but I dropped out and got a job uh, working in Kingston and that led to a job at the bank and, uh, and that bank job led to an opportunity with uh, uh, the mortgage professionals. So those numbers are a little bit out of date. They, those are pre-COVID numbers. I'll, I'll be with the company almost 19 years now. So, uh, but uh, that's, the, that's the real answer. And, and I remember uh, the, the founders, the guys who started the company who were we were customers at the bank at the time, and that's how I met them. Um, I remember them telling me one thing, which was basically this business is about people. And uh, if, uh, if you're good with people, if you're passionate about people, if you believe in doing the right thing for people, serving customers and whatnot, uh, the rest of it's just paperwork. And uh, at the time, that sounded very appealing. I'm happy to say it's, uh, it's uh, worked out so far. So what made you jump from um, TD into mortgage broking? Because... I find, I mean, it's it's uh, a little bit more difficult, arguably, to be a mortgage broker because with TD, 
um, it's easy to know one bank's products, but as a mortgage broker, you have to know a lot of lenders, a lot of different requirements, um, a lot of different customer profiles. Um, and so it's a bit uh, daunting and there's not necessarily, um, you, you only get paid on the deals that you're successful with. So if you help your clients, you get paid. And if, if you don't close, you don't get paid. So what made you kind of jump from TD into just uh, mortgage brokering? Yeah, all those things that you just said are, are perfectly accurate. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a sales based profession um, without question, and and that wasn't you know it, it it didn't seem to offer the stability at the start that obviously I needed at that time. Again, we were very young and had a young family and stuff, and uh, um, but um, conversely, at that point in time, so this is the early two thousands. Um, TD and Canada Trust had just completed their merger and the opportunities for advancement just weren't there for me in our community. Um, so again, it was all very fortuitous. Uh, I was offered a job with uh, the mortgage professionals in an administrative role um, where I reported directly to the two senior partners, the two founding partners. And, um, and that gave me two things. Uh, one was um, a consistent paycheck while, um, you know, while working directly for them. Um, but also then an opportunity to learn the business organically while watching them do it. And these guys were, you know, writing hundreds and hundreds of mortgages a year at that time. Um, one of them is now retired. The other one is, is essentially semi-retired. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, not a day goes by where I'm, I'm not grateful for that opportunity. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't as much a, um, a, you know, it, it, I guess it was more of a jump to sort of get, you know, perhaps expand my own personal opportunities more than anything, mm -hmm. simply because at that time, the banking world just didn't offer, um, you know, the kind of, uh, of economic uh, support that I would have needed. The bank was a great job. You know, they have, uh, the, there was, there's perks and benefits and there's all those things. Ironically, we still arrange TD bank mortgages today. Yeah. So to your comment about different, to, to, to your comment about different products, I mean, that's a whole separate conversation, which we can have. Um, but, uh, at the time, again, it just sort of it fit what path my life needed to be on at that point. I had no idea even at that time if it was going to be a long term strategy, um, to be quite honest. But um, very shortly after I joined the company, it seemed like it was a good uh, um, certainly it was a good fit. But there's definitely the trade off. There's definitely a trade off between the stability of working for mm -hmm. a company and, and the risk associated with essentially working for yourself. Um, there's absolutely no question that those are two entirely different yeah. Um, two entirely different. So having having worked at uh, TD Canada Trust and then having worked under or getting your initial uh, experience with the owners of the firm and now being an owner yourself, what would you say mm -hmm. makes a, a good mortgage broker? What What is somebody if I was um, looking and I always tell my clients, um, if anybody's looking for a mortgage to go to a mortgage broker and we, I'm going to touch upon that a little bit later, but. Um, what do you, would you consider, what should they be looking at? What makes a good mortgage broker in terms of helping clients out within whatever um, credit facilities they need? Yeah, that's, that's a great question as well. In, in my opinion, what makes a great mortgage broker, what makes a good mortgage broker is the one who's going to help that, that consumer, that homeowner, that prospective homeowner, whoever that person may be, um, regardless of their circumstance, it, it's very easy in some cases to, um, you know, uh, 
how do I, how, I'm trying to put this lightly, I guess, but it's very easy to pass judgment, for example, on somebody whose circumstances may seem prohibitive or may seem daunting mm-hmm. or something like that. And I found that, um, you know, I, I, I've operated primarily throughout most of my career in a very small market, a very small community. And, and I can't, as a result, I can't really tell somebody bad news or really not, you know, look like I've done the best for somebody because I'm going to see that person at the grocery store before I go home today. Um, so really just from a, from a self-preservation standpoint, I would always be very conscious about the kind of advice that I was giving people, whether it was, whether, whether it was the kind of thing they wanted to hear or not Mm -hmm. being truthful, being honest, being direct. Um, you know, that's in my opinion, that's what makes a good mortgage broker. And, and when I look around the country and, and see my contemporaries and the people that, um, you know, I've gotten to know over the years, whether they be high performing brokers or whether they be mm-hmm. broker owners or both. Um, that's a pretty consistent line is, is people who are practiced at telling people how it is, whether it's, whether it's the news, the customer, the consumer wants to hear or not, you have to be able to share that in a respectful and a gracious way. And, and that tends to lead to um, fostering much deeper, much more significant relationships and, and, uh, and in turn, more business. Um, even if it's not that particular consumer that you served, um, they'll, re- they'll remember how you made them feel while you handled them through you know, a, a difficult situation. Um, and, um, and that, in my opinion, is, is you know, that, that's what makes a good mortgage broker. In my opinion, there's a whole, you know, yeah. there's a whole list of product knowledge. You, yeah. you talk product knowledge, you talk sales <laughs> knowledge, you talk all those things, I guess. Um, but for me, that's, yeah. that, that to me is. I mean, I, I and, and, and it's funny that you brought that up because that's one of the biggest reasons why if somebody comes to me and says, um, like, should I go for bank or mortgage broker? Um, I always lean mortgage broker because uh, nowadays I feel like. Um, it's not what it used to be. And I, uh, I, when I say used to be before my time where um, you do have long lasting relationships with the professionals that you work with. So you go to the bank, you meet the same guy and, and that person will do your mortgage. Then if they need, you need a credit line, they'll help you with the credit line. Your kids go to college, he'll help you refinance your home for that. You don't have that at the banks yeah. anymore. Um, because it's, there's just a lot of churn. There's a lot of turnover. So you're not going to have somebody who understands who you are as a person, um, and throughout your kind of, uh, your lifetime, if to, for lack of better ter- words, um, to understand sure. what you're going to need when you have a f- few kids, when you need an extension on the house, all of that. And mortgage brokers can always look at what you have and then put you on in the into the best product you possibly can instead of trying to force you into one bank without really understanding um what your needs are in that same level a mortgage broker does not that i hate banks Uh, i mean i work with banks all the time we we're happy to work with banks but um it's just that that personal touch isn't there is what i kind of see sure yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't suit. Uh, it doesn't suit me or, or or either of us. I suppose to speak ill of a bank, and it's, yeah. it's something that we try and tell our our staff and our our agents as well. My my paycheck and my money has to go and come from somewhere as well. Yeah. So I mean, I, I have a for a for a bank, and I, I still keep accounts at the at the TD branch that I worked at. You know, almost twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that said and done, as 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 to your point, the staff turnover that's taken place there over that time. Uh, you know, has left uh, almost nobody that I would that, 
that I would have worked with or, or known at that point. So um, it is a symptom of the type of company, the type of business that a bank is, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, but that's not the, that 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 concept of, of you know of turnover, of people getting promoted, or people uh, moving on, or whatever, is not just uh, uh, you know limited to the banking world. For example. Yeah. So. Uh, no, I, I appreciate your comment. I, I, the, the idea of a um, of a mortgage broker, somebody who is tenured, somebody who has known, you know, I'm <laughs> the more and more uh, over the last year or two, I'm, I'm, I find myself, you know, looking at things and, and looking at comments I've made or, or things I've said or saying things to our people. And I'm like, oh, yeah, these are the things that my boss has said to me, you know, now 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> um, and it's, it's ironic and a little uh, a little ground shaking for me to sort of be in that position. Um you know where I'm, uh, I'm. I'm the one passing advice on. Lord, Lord, help us. Um, but uh, that's um, that's one of the things that, that we've always tried to say to our people is like, you know, somewhere along the line, we all need a bank at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, and and we should be mindful of that. Mm. Um, I am at a point now where I am arranging mortgages for the children of my first clients from years and years oh, wow. ago and stuff like that. There is some there is some value to the consistency. I know that they appreciate that. And generally speaking, if you can serve a customer well, if you can serve a homeowner or a prospective homeowner well, um, as I suggested a few mm-hmm. minutes ago, um, you know, then they won't care where their mortgage comes from, right? And it gives you it gives us a lot of freedom to be able to say, you know, we do believe that this is the best fit, regardless of um, you know what what one's perception might be of a bank versus a non bank lender. For yeah, and and that brings me to like another point where um, I feel like. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I love banks. I'm not uh, saying that you shouldn't go to a bank, but just that you're, you're, you're among, you're among friends. Don't worry. You're, you're among- <laughs> the difference is in terms of a bank and a mortgage broker is basically a bank's only going to sell you their products because they can't sell you anything else. Fair enough. And just the regulatory environment is insane. So a bank can't offer you everything. So if your shoe size is a 10 and they've got a nine and a, or an 11 and they don't have 10, they're going to give you an 11. It's not going to be the perfect fit. Which is why I would say um, mortgage brokers have so many lenders that you're able to kind of get that right fit that you need um, for that time being and then move forward. And, 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 and to that point, and we spoke about this uh, a bit earlier as well um, when you spoke last was the fact that um, working in different markets, like you said, Banks and, and different lenders have different lending criteria, which is also why it's important to go to a mortgage broker who understands all of that, who can then place you in the right product for the particular um, house or property that you're buying. Yeah, without question. I mean, options are uh, options mean savings. Options mean flexibility. Mm-hmm. Options mean all kinds of things. And and I would not, uh, you know, obviously I've made my living now doing this for a long time. I wouldn't argue with any of that. Um, it's important to note, I, I guess, that there are exceptions to that. Some of my uh, some of my best friends, clients, referral sources are also competitors within the banking world. Um, you know, some relationships that we forged over a lot of years and. Uh, there are, um, you know, there are exceptions to, you know, the banking rules. I guess meaning there are people who do good work for the bank as well. Mm-hmm. It's important that we should yeah. at least maybe comment on that. I guess yeah. uh, it does seem to be more the exception than the rule, as in, like you just said, that that shoe size thing is a good, pardon me, a good analogy. Um, although uh, on the on the brokerage side of the business, you know, it does seem like fitting that, uh, you know, finding that size ten. Uh, as you suggested, is is not always an easy task, even on the broker side these days. 
um, it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a wild west out there at the time as uh, at this time as I'm sure you know. But uh, um, but yeah, certainly I'm I'm happy. I'm, I'm it does make me happy to know that when somebody does come into my office, our company usually represents uh, you know somewhere between you know 28 and 35 different mortgage lenders over the course of mm-hmm. any given year. Um, and that, um, you know, that kind of flexibility, uh, uh, people do, uh, appreciate over time, as we said, or as I said a minute ago, if, if we're the ones, um, you know, serving that customer, you know, if you were to ask one of my customers or one of my company's mm-hmm. customers, you know, as their mortgage, they're going to say Lee Graham, or they're going to say the mortgage professionals, they're not going to say TD bank or, yeah. or, you know, uh, you know, first national financial, for example. Um, you know, that's assuming that we've done our job properly, which is again, you know, serve them, serve them well, serve them graciously, you know, uh, serve them directly, you know, don't BS, uh, don't tell them things that aren't true, you know, and, uh, and those things come naturally to a lot of people in in any sales profession, you know, it's very easy to say, oh yeah, we should, you know, this should be fine or we'll be able to get this done and then find out, you know, halfway through the process, there's a problem, right? So, um, I, I believe that the flexibility does provide consumer a greater degree of, uh, of, uh, you know, economic advantage for sure. So walk me through what it's like to work with you and your firm. So if, if I need a mortgage, do I just give you a call? Should I email you? Am I walking into your office? Am I doing this online? What is it like to work with you? What's the entire process? Yeah, great, great question. One of the things that we, um, one of the things that I always enjoyed about working for the former owners of our company was that there was, there was very little, mandate from the sense of you know here's the lenders that we deal with or here's you know the time type of business that we do for example um the brokerage would provide um you know a a conservative but a base level of you know Mm -hmm. regulatory framework which we had to work um and um and 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 essentially then from then on just gave us the freedom to do business with the lenders and the customers that we would choose so we have 26, 27 licensed agents in our company. Um, you know, you'll have, you'll have, you, you could potentially have 25 different experiences, 27, <laughs> 28 different experiences, depending on who you call. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so that's sort of a, maybe that's a, a, a fluffy answer to that question. But um, most of us in the Kingston area up until 2020 um, would still meet our customers in person. It was it, Kingston's a relatively small town. I think we're at about 140,000 people now, um, and it's not the end of the world to be able to drive across town or into town to meet with your mortgage broker. So that is essentially how we did 99% of our business: was set up the appointment, bring your documents to the office, we'll copy them, scan them right there, give them back to you. We'll shake your hand, we'll we'll look you in the eye, we'll do all the things that um, you, you know got this company from you know where it started and and, and to, to where it is now. Um, there's no question in my mind that I think if we were a younger company or, or, um, you know, if there had been some of us who had started, um, you know, more recently in this business, that the transition to the digital world over the last two years would have been much more difficult. Uh, it was difficult enough, I think for, for many of us who, uh, including, including myself, and I'll be the first to admit it, had never used DocuSign prior to March of 2020. Um, and I'd never, I'd never had, I'd never had any need for it. Um, you know, which is amazing to say at this point in time, but two years ago, it was it was a reality. So uh, um, in today's environment, you're going to find a balance. There are still some of our people who are preferring to meet their customers um, in person. So you would give them a call. They would schedule an appointment, uh, you know, next Tuesday at three o'clock and you would show up at the office and uh, conduct your business. Um, my preference now is online. What I have found, of course, and it, 
I'm embarrassed to admit that I didn't figure this out many years ago, is the efficiencies that can be created when, um, you know, when, when things are done digitally. Um, has effectively, uh, you know, led to a couple of things, one of which is, you know, more work getting done. That's an increase in volume. That's an increase in revenue. So those are good for me. Um, but it also saves the consumer a fair bit of effort um, as, uh, as well. And, and in my opinion, overall, a much smoother um, and more efficient uh, transactional experience. Um, but there's no question that you lose a bit of, um, there's always a risk of losing a bit of that personal connection, which is, which is really the only reason or, or the biggest reason why this company is as successful as it is, why we've been able to sustain what we've been doing, why we've been able to grow what we've been doing. Um, and, and again, there's no question in my mind that, you know, if I was, if my tenure in this business wasn't quite as long, um, you know, somebody starting in this business in 2018 or 19, I think would have, you know, probably struggled a lot more. Um, to grow a business over the last um, few years. So we, I, you know, I think we, my, my, I don't want to speak for my partners necessarily, but we all consider ourselves very fortunate to have had the, the time in the business before we had this disruption two years ago. Um, and I say disruption, I'm well aware that there are mortgage brokers who operate mm-hmm. entirely digitally mm-hmm. long before that. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Just wasn't, it just wasn't us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's sort of a long-winded answer to your question, but it depends on who you call. Right now, my preference is we're going to do a phone call we're going to collect things by email, you know, Dropbox, Google Drive, sharing things as securely as possible, um, you know, and uh, and it's we'll, we'll conduct transactions. I think I met two customers in person over the last year, and they were usually older friends of my in-laws who maybe didn't have uh, mm-hmm. you know email addresses. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. So it's important not to draw a line anywhere. You know, you have to be able to accommodate mm-hmm. the customers' needs. But um, my preference at this particular moment is going to be a. a a, a digital or an online experience. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, our firm uh, turned com- not completely. Um, like you said, I probably in the same um, ballpark as you probably met like a customer or two in the past year or two that came in the office. Um, but we find that like when you're meeting them online, clients don't have to travel. Uh, at least if you're in the GTA, you're traveling 30 minutes. 45 minutes anywhere to get anywhere and it's what you get to get to the office to get back you wasted about an hour hour and a half um and a lot of people could just do the entire meeting during the lunch break so they don't really have to um take some time off or coordinate too much so it's it always for us i mean i thought it was i'm not gonna say it's a blessing covid wasn't a blessing but it did ease certain things for us um, yeah, agreed. Just to change gears a little bit, um, I do want to talk about a little bit about just the market, and 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 the market just seems to be going crazy. I think last week, um, we had uh, another fifty basis point hike by the Bank of Canada, um, which gets some people to think like the sky is falling. Rightfully so, if you're on a salary and you're thinking, okay, come on, I'm, I have a variable mortgage, um, my payments may be going up. Um, or I'm paying more interest, um, and, and it makes people get into a panicky mode. In your opinion, uh, and this is a bit of a crystal ball question, um, <laughs> where do you think um, interest rates are going by the end of this year? So we're halfway through. Um, where do you think we're going to be December 2022? Yeah, the crystal ball question is a great one. Those are our favorites, <laughs> in case you're wondering. Um <laughs> The well, there's a couple things. The first thing I guess I want to the first thing I want to throw at you just quickly is that headlines are there for one reason, and they're mm. there to sell newspapers. There is no question that things are becoming 
expensive, but more expensive compared to what? And that's what really, you know, to go back to your very first question, maybe about what, you know, what makes a good mortgage broker? Um, I would say that 90% of the transactions that I wrote in 2021 were variable rate mortgages, mm-hmm. um, but they were followed up with, um, you know, uh, um, you know, communications to our customers. Um, in, in many cases, videos that were created using spreadsheets with, with uh, that, that can outline what the forecasts are to say, listen, you know, if you were to lock in now, yes, there's some stability, but there's also some risk. Um, you know, and, and again, just making sure that your, your, your customer is educated enough to have made that, excuse me, have made that decision, but also be comfortable with it moving forward. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, fosters loyalty, it fosters appreciation. Mm-hmm. And, and regardless of what the market does, if they trust that you have their best interests at heart, um, you know, it can alleviate a lot of stress. I was in this, uh, I, I don't, as you can see, my office has become mostly a storage facility over the last uh, few years. And I, I don't work from this room very often, but I came in here on Wednesday morning last week, knowing that as soon as that announcement took place, that my phone was going to blow up. And sure enough, it did, because we've got, I, I don't even know, you know, a thousand customers in, in variable rate mortgages. And everyone is asking the exact same question, right? Um, to, to your question about um, about the forecast, I'm a, I'm a huge a uh, huge follower of, uh, of Benjamin Tal. He's sort of the most, uh, he, he's a, the deputy economist, deputy chief economist with CIBC. I don't know if you're familiar with him mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. He tends to be the the most widely regarded voice on variable rate mortgages. Uh, I grew up with, you know, I, I came up through the ranks, you know, under my mentor, sort of learning his, his uh, mindset and stuff like that. And I found that um, you know, if I if you were to actually go back and look at you know exactly what his forecasts were, um, you know, it's not really prudent to say whether they were accurate or not necessarily. But but really, what he's really good at is is paring away why things are happening. And his most recent comments, you know, include things like fixed rates are rising because of um, because of the Bank of Canada dumping all the bonds they bought in 2020. Variable rates are rising because of inflation. Inflation is still high. And potentially growing because of the supply chain disruptions that you know mm-hmm. are are uh, are still in place because of COVID, and these are both temporary factors. Okay, I'm not an economist; I have no idea what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Okay, but the general consensus seems to be that things will hit a peak before the end of this year. Um, and historically, again, coming from someone who um, you know lived through the crash of 2008 and nine. Um, lived through some of the overshoots that that came from them raising rates, uh, you know, through a uh, past uh, uh, previous recessions. Um, you know, generally, what will happen is they'll they'll be super super aggressive. They'll overshoot a little bit, and then things will settle back down again. That's what I believe will happen. Uh, you know, again, it's impossible to say yeah. the state of the world as we, you know, can change overnight. Um, but in general terms, I think we're just uh, we're we're. We've absorbed maybe three or four years worth of market activity into maybe one year, um, and that's unprecedented. It, yeah. it does make people nervous, um, but I think by the end of this year, we'll have a little better handle on what you know the next three to five years will look like interest rate wise. Um, we just got to get there, right? So I mean, are you are you? That's, yeah, that, that's that's my. Opinion. Go ahead. Are you still recommending um, variable rates, or uh, are you moving towards fix? Is what's your recommendation for clients walking into your office? Yeah, that's a great question. It's I am a believer in the variable rate mortgage, um, and I'm a, I'm a huge proponent for it for a number of reasons. Um, the primary one being flexibility. 
um, it's still a very small percentage. It's still a minority of mortgages that run a full five-year term in this country. Yeah. Uh, circumstances change, people move, somebody dies, somebody gets sick, people divorce, they sell, they upgrade, whichever, whichever. And, uh, and because of the nature of lenders and where lenders' money comes from and funding sources and, and things like that, it's not a safe assumption um, you know, to think that the, the lender you're with today is going to be the lender you're with when you move to the next house. Mm. It could be, and it should be, and that might be the most economical choice, but history suggests it's not actually the case uh, because of whatever, because of a market change, because of a policy change, because of, um, you know, a change in the customer circumstances. Mm. So, so again, you know, this, this mindset of, you know, well, you know, few we're locked in for five years and we have this stability. Well, the majority of mortgages are going to change during that time. And, and so when that changes, the biggest thing for me personally has been the reality of what kind of penalty cost that, that consumer, that homeowner might face when they have to make that change. Um, and the variable rate mortgage essentially eliminates that risk in, in my opinion. That risk is offset, however, by the risk of rising rates. Yeah. So again, it puts a lot more, it puts a lot more work on, on our shoulders to be able to, to, to have to manage that for a customer. Um, there's no question, right? Our compensation is identical, fixed or variable in most cases. So it's not like we have an, we, mm-hmm. we don't have an incentive to offer variable rate mortgage, except when we believe that it's the right thing for that customer. So mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in today's environment, if we have a first time home buyer with minimal fallback position, who's borrowing their last five grand from their dad to get their first house and get their keys, Regardless of what that fixed rate is, and we're now in the mid four percent range for a first-time insured home buyer, um, you know that to me is an easy one to say. Listen, this is probably the best choice for you guys. It gives you the stability. Every other cost associated with owning a home is going to change. Your taxes are going to go up. Your hydro is going to mm-hmm. go up. Your water bill is going to go up. Why not fix your mortgage for five years? But sign here acknowledging the fact that you know we're recommending that you stay here for five years and not make any changes. And we're pretty clear about that as well. Obviously, you can't control what people do in the future, but um, making that known to them, if rates do come down and they decide to make a change at that time, they may simply not be able to. The cost to change may simply be too yeah. high. Uh, but a more seasoned, a more uh, a, a borrower with more equity or more, um, you know, job stability behind them, or a little bit of a fallback position, um, you know, those metrics don't really, you know. You know, the, the, the decision between what product we recommend are based on the same things that they've always been. Can this customer, can this consumer absorb any risk at all? And uh, if the answer is yes, um, you know, then then we will recommend a variable rate. Yeah. I, the, the, the nature of my business now is not first-time homebuyers. The first-time homebuyers are the, are the, are the kids <laughs> of my client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, which is fine, which is great. And, and, and it's, I'm, I'm, again, I'm so very fortunate to be in that position. Um, but much of my customer base now is repeat multiple time customers. Mm. Loan to value ratios are relatively low. Salaries are at the highest time that they'll ever be in this, in the, you know, these borrowers' careers. Yeah. Um, you know, so the comfort for me to be able to say, you know, take a variable rate mortgage, regardless of what that discount or, or prime rate might be doing, um, is much higher now than it would have been even, you know, three, five yeah. years. I ago. mean, I find that uh, people, and, and there has been a lot of talk of like just locking in. Um, from a variable because a lot of people did get into variables i i'm a big proponent of variables i've seen that variables always outperform fixed and like you said you have that optionality or it's cheaper optionality to get out um you pay a penalty either way but the variable has a lower uh, penalty but i find it uh, just interesting how 
um, a lot of people were like, you know what, we should um, uh, convert it into a fixed. And I feel I feel like when you move it into a fixed, it's, you're paying the fixed rate, right? It's not like you're fixing into that variable rate. You're fixing into whatever fixed rate is at that time. Is that is that correct? So you. That's correct. Yeah, you're you're locking into whatever the market is demanding on the day that you yeah. uh, actually make that. So so there's clients who are saying I want to pay more now because I might be paying more tomorrow. So that's basically what's what the argument is when they're trying to move into a fixed, where it's like you know what, like in the long run, you don't know how long the interest is. If they do go higher than fixed, how long they're going to be that high, um, and also when you're paying down your mortgage on a variable, you're actually paying down more equity. So your interest rate could go up and you still pay less interest over that term, even if you write it out until the, uh, to the end of the five years, even though most Canadians, I think, and you'd know better, I think the average is three and a half, four years is how much, how long Canadians stay within a mortgage. But even if you're within the five years, um, if you if you paid off enough equity in the beginning, even if it kind of does go a little bit higher towards the end, or you're paying higher interest, um, you're still not, you're paying less interest overall just because you you brought down that equity so much that the interest rate on that is more manageable, which is what I find like people don't really see those numbers; they just see that rate and they're like panic. Yeah, it's it, it. As I said a minute ago, it does it, it places a lot more responsibility on the shoulders of the originator of the mortgage. Myself, you know, my my team, the person who's arranging that mortgage has, in my opinion, a, a very 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 large responsibility, especially in a market such as this, um, where every day it seems that you know fixed rates are going up and up and up, um, to educate the the consumer, the homeowner on. Uh, you know, on exactly what you just said, which is, okay, you know, you're, you, the, the real advantage to a variable rate mortgage, for example, when the rates are as different as they are um, at this moment is what's being done with the money that's being saved. And, and all we can do is say, you know, you, you should be using that money, you know, to, to pay your mortgage down faster or at the very least put it aside, for example, for a rainy day. Um, you know, whether the consumer does that or not is, is mm -hmm. excuse me, is up to them. Um, but it, my the, the strategy that I recommend, uh, and we've got a nifty little spreadsheet that uh, you know if you if you were interested, I'd be happy to share with you at some point um, that allows us to manipulate um, you know what we think the interest rates are going to do. So we can go super aggressive and assume that rates are going to go sky high. We can assume that they're going to you know skyrocket this year, which is effectively a given, and then maybe in the, you know over over the next year or two they come back down again, for example. So we have a we have a sheet that allows us to sort of demonstrate to a customer what would happen in those cases. And the single most important thing to understand is that, as you suggested, if you were to lock in, whether it's now, whether it's last year, whether it's next year, right? You, you the, the reality of paying more is there. So you have to understand that your payments are going to be higher. So what do we recommend? We recommend a customer already be paying more. So in in a variable rate mortgage. The majority of our customers are already increasing their payments to either what a fixed rate level would be, if not higher, mm -hmm. understanding that even a five-year fixed term will expire at some point and you're still going to owe money. And we don't know what rates are going to be in five years. And we should be prepared for that as well. So that's something that I've taken, you know, even, even prior to this current market, that's something that we would do on an annual basis for our customers, just prepare a prepayment a pre demonstration. You know, what's going to happen if you yeah. increase your payment by $100 a month? $200 a month. Pick a, pick a nominal number that's generally affordable um, and demonstrate how you're going to pay that mortgage down faster. And as you said, the, the faster the balance comes down, 
less interest is paid overall. Um, so those are things that make, you know, to, to ask what makes a good mortgage broker, that, that's another <laughs> one in my opinion. To be, able to, to be able to demonstrate over the life of a mortgage, uh, of a consumer's mortgage, how little behaviors can change over, you know, can, can change your debt load, reduce your debt load over time. Um, that's, uh, that's huge. So as far as the variables go, it's not prudent in my opinion to just take the base level. You have to understand that that payment is going to be higher. You have to have started paying yeah. more of that money that uh, directly decreases your uh, your debt load on uh, on an accelerated basis, giving just effectively you know building that buffer so that if things do become you know so high that that you know a consumer sitting there thinking, wow, like this is you know this is actually getting now expensive or beyond what yeah. our initial comfort zone might have been, um, that they're prepared for that to happen. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, you know what, like talking to you, um, I, and, and I'm, just to wrap this up, I, I wanted to end it off with this comment was that most brokers, um, uh, or most professionals, they're very good at what they do and you certainly are, but you're also looking kind of, um, into the future as to not only what the interest rates are in the products that you can offer to your clients, but, um, finding more meaning behind those interest rates, like you said, following the economists at CIBC and everywhere else to see where those interest rates are going, which is why I always kind of advocate, again, I'm going back to the same thing, brokers, because um, when you're passionate about something and you know where it's going, even if variable interest rates or any interest rate is going up today, um, you know where it's headed. It's like Wayne Gretzky says, don't skate to where the puck is. You got to skate to where it's going. So you need yeah. a mortgage professional for this reason to show you where the puck is going, because for all of us and myself included, uh, being a real estate lawyer, I'm kind of in this, but um, I only see one aspect of it. I still don't know where the puck is going. I only see where it is. Um, and so that, for that, you know what? I thank you for joining the podcast. If anybody wants to um, reach out to Liam and uh, leave his contact information below, shoot him an email, give him a call. Um, and, and, and make sure you ask for that, uh, that spreadsheet to make sure, um, you can figure out how much you save through variable and fix. Thanks for being on the podcast, Lee. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Okay. Pleasure.